I'm going to review The Brave, Falling Skies Returns to TV, and A Geekscape Gets Married on Geekscape. Wow, 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 wow. Geekscape, Geekscape, up in this, Geekscape. I'm rapping to my dogs right now. Geekscape, what's up, Texas? Uh, I'm sitting here on the couch with the dogs, kicking you guys a, a fresh new Geekscape pod, and I want to talk about a few things real quick. Um, where to start? Let me think. Hold up. Let me get a drink of uh, iced tea. Uh, why don't we start with a couple releases? Uh, the FP comes out on Blu-ray DVD this week. We've been loving on this movie on the website. Uh, when it first came out, we had our uh, our official Geekscape FP screening up at Universal City Walk. For anybody in L- LA, we we uh, we had um, two of the trusts who made the film out to the FP screening. That was a hell of a lot of fun with our friends at Flixist. Uh, I think I guess that was in April, May. April, early May, I don't know, but the FP comes out on DVD, Blu-ray, I've got mine, it's got tons of extras, this is the DDR to the death movie, this is like Mad Max meets the wizard, I love this movie, I think it's hilarious, if, you may hate this movie in all honesty, I'm recommending this right now, but you guys may actually hate it, uh, I love the movie, I think, it's the, 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 I think it's a great instant classic cult film, uh, the FP is out on, on, um, DVD and Blu-ray this Tuesday. I've got my copy here, and I'm loving it. The other thing that happened was Cartoon Network sent me the DVD first season, complete first season on DVD, of Adventure Time. This is... I I love South Park. I think South Park is... South Park is my favorite animated show on TV. Um, but it's funny in a different way than Adventure Time is. Adventure Time is just insanity. I just complete... Uh, fun, exuberant, uh, precocious insanity, uh, and it's so much fun to watch. So Adventure Time, they sent me the full season on the full first season on DVD. It comes in a really cool. Um, it comes in a really really cool uh, uh, case that kind of reminds me of the Simpsons ones, where each one is like a different character. Um, so I think this comes out. This comes out July tenth. So July 10th, you can get this case and, uh, and check it out. It's um, the first complete season of Adventure Time. I've been picking my way through these uh, on top of watching Falling Skies, which came back on the air this Sunday night. Falling Skies is that TNT show with the aliens and Noah Wiley and, uh, and Will Patton, Moon Blood Good, and it's like the last holdouts of Earth. Um, like aliens come and they invade, and that's kind of where the season started last year. That's where like, that's where the series started. Is the aliens have already invaded? They've already taken over the Earth, and we're basically working straight from the uh, the rebellion. And what's what's cool about it? Um, well, here's the thing that Ian Kerner pointed out, and it's so true: is that this is TNT's Walking Dead, and it, it, they've even modeled it after Walking Dead to the point where they have an after show now, like Will Wheaton hosts an after show in much the same way that Chris Hardwick hosts an after show for Walking Dead. But Will Wheaton doesn't get on TV for his uh, after show. You have to watch it at the TNT walk, uh, Falling Skies website. Okay, so Falling Skies, I watch it. I make Laura watch it. Is it necessarily good? I'm going to say right now, and it might piss some of you guys off, I enjoy it more than Walking Dead. Uh, I think more happens in it. I think the episode's are a lot more fun to watch than The Walking Dead. It's not as much talk and then 
occasionally there's a zombie. They're constantly fighting these aliens. There, there's going to be an alien in every episode, and there's going to be an action sequence in every episode. It is an expensive Spielberg-produced series. Is it necessarily good? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think that we watch it for the comedic effect. There are a couple of wow scenes, like for television, there are definitely some major wow scenes where you're like, cool, they just blew something up. There's like uh, different ty- there's different types of aliens. There's the main alien and then like the subservient alien, which is kind of like their drone, and they can put them into mechs and have them pilot mechs or like flying ships. They introduce flying ships. Uh, they, they introduce uh, a couple different things this season uh, in the first two-hour premiere um i think it's hilarious at the end of the last season noah wiley's character ends up boarding an alien ship to try and find like a ceasefire to try and to find some resolution to what's going on with his friend with his son ben who was abducted and had like this control mechanism attached to him from the aliens and they finally got the control mechanism off without killing him but he still gets like mental images on top of being superhuman he has, like, super strength and super speed and all this stuff. He doesn't get tired. And so, um, Noel Wiley, at the end of last season, gets on the spaceship. He's summoned onto the spaceship, and he wants to find some resolution for where they'll stop messing with his son, Ben. Stop giving him psychic flashes and this and that. Because even though they got the harness off, they, got a, they still have, like, this psychic uh, influence on him. And they will regain control, they say. So, in this episode... It's three months later. Noah Wiley's been missing for three months. The rebellion is is going. Um, It's still a losing battle. And Noah Wiley mysteriously returns. Um, Is it good? Is the series good? Uh, No, I mean, some of it's hilariously ridiculous. But uh, I recommend it if you're watching Walking Dead. I don't see what's to lose on this one. It's basically the same humans fighting, you know, a, a desperate war. Uh, against uh, like you know an overpowering force and so it's basically just a survival story is what i'm saying and uh last the first season what you got to do is you got to force yourself kind of through half of it and then it starts to click there's a once you get to this one episode where they're taking the kids away you'll get into it and be like all right well it's it's not just you know it's it's not bad It's, it's it's ridiculous enough for me to enjoy it. So Falling Skies is back, and I'm happy about that. Um, in comics, uh, I read the second uh, Watchmen, before Watchmen, the one about Sally Jupiter. Much more enjoyable. Uh, written by Darwin Cook and Amanda Connor. Art by Amanda Connor. I thought the artwork was a lot more balanced, even though there were parts where you were like, okay, this is definitely... This artwork is definitely designed to allude to the Watchmen stuff that Dave Gibbon does. The way that they laid out the page in like, uh, you know, sort of a, you know, the pages are laid out in a, in, in, what's the word? I got the word right here. Um, uh, the, the pages are laid out so that they accent each other, so that they comment on each other. And there's that going on. That, that's something that uh, Dave Gibbons did in Watchmen. And Amanda Connor is doing that, but her artwork's also a lot more open. It's a lot more clear, uh, especially in comparison to the Minutemen, which was the issue that uh, Darwin Cook did on his own two weeks prior. This one's just a much more enjoyable book, and it feels like it's its own. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be uh, Gibbons and Alan Moore's Watchmen. It, it feels like it's trying to do its own thing uh, in its own voice. Still a part of the Watchmen universe, 
but planned by its own, like kind of in its own in its own rules, uh, at least narratively and visually. I'm I'm into it. Uh, so that's that's a if if we're if we're keeping score, that's a no on Minutemen from last week, and a yes on this week's Sally Jupiter uh, story. So we're one and one so far on the the before Watchmen. We're one and one. They got a win and a loss. The backup story, Tales of the Crimson Corsair. Um, I don't know if I'm going to appreciate this unless I can read them all in one fell swoop because uh, it's like two pages of narrative. It's fine and everything. It's got some cool artwork, but um, you know, I think I think because it's com- going to be a commentary on the history of comics, it's going to be tough to analyze on a micro sense every two weeks, getting a different story, looking at it. And reading it all in one fell swoop, I think you'll see the macro design of it. So that's the uh, review I got for you. One one of the books that I've kind of started to enjoy um, is Ed Brubaker's stuff with the Captain America books. Both the Captain America issue and uh, Winter Soldier that he's doing about Bucky Barnes having his own uh, kind of presence in the Marvel Universe that's not Cap. He's kind of the, the more shadow agent. That's uh, the Winter Soldier book. It has a lot more espionage than the Captain America book. I think both are worth reading if you enjoy Captain America as a story. Because in Cap, you definitely get him fighting, um, you know, masked uh, government agents, right? So you'd get agents of Hydra, agents of AIM, and they're the, these are the masked superheroes, right? And there's a little bit of espionage in it, but it's mainly him and the Falcon and Sharon Carter, like, punching people in the face. And Ed Brubaker's really good at, at kind of writing the quote-unquote comic book uh, story. It's fun. It's, it's got its little turns. And it doesn't take itself so seriously or trying to make a patriotic message. On the flip side, you got Winter Soldier, which is kind of about like the remnants of the Cold War uh, superhero, super soldier um, system that Bucky came out of. It's interesting. It's him in the Black Widow kind of picking up the pieces from the uh like the KGB think tank after it's fallen apart and some of these maybe maybe a couple of these shadow agents or these secret agents that uh Bucky was a part of that team have started to kind of reawaken and they're factors that need to be dealt with because they're going around killing people. And there's a lot of espionage, a lot of secrets, a lot of people dying and like like swallowing poison pills on the you know on their last breath before you can get the answer from them. So it's a fun book. If you guys came out of the Avengers wanting to have more Captain America story, uh, the Ed Brubaker stuff is actually a pretty good stuff. Uh, it's actually a pretty good, good start. Uh, the actual continuation of the Captain America book has kind of turned into a team-up book. It's like Cap teaming up with a Hawkeye, Capman te- teaming up, Cap teaming, Cap like teaming up with uh, Iron Man. That one's not as good. It's 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 loosely written. It kind of feels like an adventure just a generic comic book with Captain America and friends. Um, I'm reading it. It's weird, though, because it's got the original Captain America numbering on it. So it's in the 600s, and it's the weakest of the Captain America books. Uh, I would say that Winter Soldier is actually the strongest. Brubaker's Captain America is the second, and then Captain America teaming up with his jolly friends is probably the one that, that left me wanting the most. Uh, comic book movie news 
uh, Sean put this up on the site earlier today. Uh, David Slade, who did 30 Days of Night and a movie I really liked called Hard Candy. Uh, David Slade's supposed to be doing the Daredevil movie for Fox. And the news today off of the Twitter, I guess Empire Magazine in the UK was tweeting back and forth with them about, hey, would you reteam with Josh Hartnett, who is the star of 30 Days of Night, in doing Daredevil? And David Slade says, yeah, why not? So can't, are we going to live in a world where we see Josh Hartnett as Daredevil, Matt Murdock? Do I want to live in that world? I don't know. I, I like Josh Hartnett. I think, um, I think Josh Hartnett did some really cool things, and then he, he just got smacked by Pearl Harbor, Hollywood Homicide. He just had a string of movies, 30 Days of Night being one of them, that just didn't catch for him. And, you know, I mean, remember, it wasn't that long ago that he was in Black Hawk Down, and he was really good in Black Hawk Down. It wasn't that, you know, and so things just kind of didn't go his way. It it opened up the door for similar guys like uh, Ryan Gosling to come along and be kind of leading men. Uh, I like Josh Hartnett. I think think he's got things going on uh, as an actor. He's not just a flat, good-looking guy. I think think that he's acting. I think that he... He, he gets it. Uh, I definitely think he's a movie star. Is he Matt Murdock? Is he Daredevil? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, is, is David Slade the director that, that, that I want making a Daredevil movie? Um, no, I mean, David Slade, I think, made Hard Candy, which I think is great. If he's more Hard Candy than, than 30 Days a Night, I'm all for it. But I think 30 Days a Night had such a lack of energy, was such an uninteresting movie, and took everything that was horrific about the concept of having to out-survive vampires and just stripped it of any of its horror and terror that it just ruined the movie. The movie was not good, and I don't want to see that happen to Daredevil. Um, do I think he's a really good director? I th- yeah, I think he's a really competent director. Um, but whoever's fault 30 Days a Night was, I don't want that coming to Daredevil. Um, Daredevil, I think, should be a gritty movie. I think it should be uh, as much unlike Spider-Man as it can be. Uh, I would love to see... Um, something closer to the action of a Bourne movie, the rooftop chases of a Bourne movie, the fistfights and the, the combat of a Bourne identity type of movie, uh, with a bit of the mystery and street-level uh, crime solving of something that like Ben Affleck has handled in Gone Baby Gone, right? So a little bit like that. And, and of course, I just described two movies that have a similar long-lens uh, moving camera feel to them. In the Bourne movies and in the Gone Baby Gone or Ben Affleck films, why not? Why not have a Ben Affleck behind the camera? Why not have uh, you know um, somebody like that behind the camera to actually make a really smart movie that's about a mystery, about crime, about justice, and about uh, the underbelly of New York? And then you got this main character just punching people in the face. Not killing them, but punching them, scaring them enough that he then can then throw them into the uh, police department and say, you know, I think this person has something to confess, officer. And then all of a sudden, there you go, justice is served. All right, I got to get to Brave. But first, I want to talk real quick about our very own Big Yanks, Geekscape is extraordinaire, Daniel Camposano. He got married this past weekend, so congrats to you, Big Yanks. Um, I got to call you out, though. What the fuck is up with not inviting Laura and I to your wedding? Straight up, Big Yanks, honestly, what happened? Did the invite get lost in the mail? Or were you faced with the internal conflict that if I and my wife 
had shown up at your wedding, you wouldn't have been able to say, I do. Knowing that Laura, your beloved Laura, who was on the last episode of this show, was in the room as you're putting the ring on another woman's finger, I don't think you would have been able to pull the trigger. That is my thought. I mean, that's the only excuse I think you've got to not inviting Laura and I to your wedding, right? Because when I called you out on Facebook, I was like, what the fuck? You didn't call me out there. Like, what is that about? You said, hey, your excuse was you didn't think we'd come. I told Laura, and she's like, well, why, why would we have not come to Big Yanks' wedding? At, at, in the least, why wouldn't you have invited us so we could send you a gift, right? And when I pointed that out to you, you said, hey, you can still send a gift. No, no, no. You, if you're invited, you send a gift. That's how it works. If you're invited, you send a gift. If you're not invited, shit, man, have a good wedding. You know, I'll hit you up on the flip side, right? But, that, but you know what? You're off the hook. This is what I'm thinking, Yanks. I'm thinking the only reason you didn't invite Laura and I to the wedding. There's no way you could have gone through with it with Laura in the room. No way. Mm-mm. As a man who put a ring on her finger, I'm telling you, it would have been hard for you. It would have been really hard for you to know that Laura's 10, 15, 20 feet away while you're putting a ring on another woman's finger. That's what I think. That is the only excuse I think you've got to live with. All right? Congrats on your marriage. Congrats on your, you know, holy matrimony, all that. Congrats. Very happy for you, big yanks. But a gift... Hmm. Geekscapist, I'm going to need your input. What gift do you think would be appropriate for Big Yanks' wedding? What should we send them? What do you guys think? Um, I saw some of those risque photos you put up on Facebook. I'm thinking maybe like a shock collar, some knee pads, or a sex harness. But email me, jonathangeekscape.net, or send me a tweet at jonathanlondon. Let me know what, what would be a perfect gift for Big Yanks um, who did not even invite us to the wedding. Disgraceful. It's rude. After everything we kind of haven't done for you. <laughs> After all the free podcasts we've given you. Um, all right, I'm going to take a drink and then we're going to talk about Brave. All right. I still, I still drink that peach tea all these years later. All right, the Brave. It's not the brave. It's not the gray. It's not a little girl in, you know, Ireland fighting wolves. Okay, so, Brave. This is Disney Pixar's movie that comes out this coming weekend. It's, it's got a review up on the site, okay? So, I wrote a review this morning. I put it up on the site. Definitely read the review. And the review is going to tell you the same thing I'm telling you right now. I'm going to avoid spoilers on this movie. This movie goes in some very interesting places. Literally 20, 30 minutes in the movie, once the first act was over... And the plot started kicking in, and this interesting film started going into some really interesting places. I turned to Brian Walton, who I went to see the movie with, and I said, Brian, do you know what this movie, did you know, have any idea what the plot of this movie was? And he said, no. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And, and he, he was like, do you not like it? And I was like, no, I love it. I loved Brave. I love Brave because it is as technologically amazing and as, 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 as artistically gorgeous as the other Pixar movies, but narratively, it goes in some very, very interesting ways. Tonally, it plays both light and dark, very dark, uh, in equal ways. It probably gets darker than most Pixar movies, and it, all, and it hangs there. It hangs kind of, you know, in, in some Pixar movies, the best Pixar movies, you don't know where they're headed. Uh, but it get, but but they definitely give you answers. In, in Pixar movies, they definitely say, okay, we don't we're not gonna. 
we're not going to tell you how the Toy Story guys get out of this, but we're going to lead, lead you a trail of breadcrumbs, right? You're going to see that Woody just needs to get out of the car, or Woody just needs to get to the window in time, or Woody needs to find a way to turn off the, this mechanism, or save Buzz, or Buzz needs to figure out this. So Pixar movies, they don't tell you where, how, things are, how the big picture is going to get solved, how the big day is going to get saved. But they do give you enough narratively to just lead you scene to scene. What Brave does is it throws the main character, who's female and a very strong female character, and that's one of the things that I thought was so quote-unquote brave about making this movie, especially when you see Pixar movies selling so many toys to little boys, like the Cars movies, to make a movie that is fronted by a female. It actually has the counterweight of another strong female character and her mother. Um, you get to see that the, this movie is actually pretty unique when, in comparison to uh, past Pixar or Disney movies. It is all about the female main characters in this thing. Okay, so story-wise... When it starts to kind of go in these directions, you're like, okay, characters are getting in over their head. Um, I know this problem has to be solved by the end of the movie. I'm guessing it will be solved by the end of this movie, but I barely have enough breadcrumbs to get there. So, whereas a Toy Story movie, you can kind of follow it along a string, and it's a really interesting string and does a lot of cool and exciting things, this movie, you're really discovering what the character has in her and what's surrounding her at the same time. Um, I thought that was a really, really, really cool uh, way to experience a movie and a really risky way to to make an animated movie for kids because they don't have a whole lot to hang on to uh, as they're going through this film. But I I thought it was what was so interesting about it. I thought it was what was so exciting about it. It looks great. It's awesome. Um, definitely go see it and try as hard as you can. Just get off the internet right now. Avoid spoilers. I won't be giving you spoilers. I'll be trying to keep everything on the site hidden behind a spoiler wall. Um, don't, I mean, let this, like, let yourself discover this movie. Uh, it's rewarding. And I think that the lack of a through line, the lack of a strong narrative, I can't even say it doesn't have a strong narrative. It does. It just isn't, not all the answers are clear. And not all the direction is clear. Because it does kind of live in like a murky area for a while. Um, I think that's kind of what the people who don't like this movie are using as a reason. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair. I think uh, I think this movie's awesome. And what's really cool is that Steve Purcell co-directed it and co-wrote it. Steve Purcell, you guys know, is a Monkey Island alum. He's an alum of Lucas Arts. He worked on Day of the Tentacle, and he created Sam and Max. We talked to him a couple uh, years ago at Comic Con. And um, he's friends of mine on Facebook. I told him I loved the movie. He loved the fact that I loved the movie. Uh, and it's just great to see somebody who helped to define my storytelling in those LucasArts games and more. Uh, really knock one out of the park. I mean, I've got a, a signed Monkey Allen poster signed by Steve in my office right now. And uh, it's cool to see. I mean, when, I didn't know it going in, but when the credits came up and his name showed up on screen, it was awesome. And there is a sequence midway through the movie a little early on, but midway through, midway early in the second act, where uh, where I'm like, man, this this could have just been in a Monkey Island game. This is so this feels so much like a like a Lucas Arts adventure game scene. Uh, it's hilarious. It's really an awesome uh, moment. And if you guys are fans of Lucas Arts adventure games, you're gonna be like, wow, that's ba- <laughs> that's basically what would be in a Monkey Island film, in a Pixar movie, and I'm loving it. Um, 
All right, guys, definitely go see Brave. Definitely pick up the FP this week. Definitely give Big Yank shit. And um, that's our Geekscape. See you guys next episode.